Hello, everybody. This is Kevin Witham, and welcome to Season 2 of the Common Grounds Unity Podcast. In this season, we want to focus on practical discussions about unity within the Stone Campbell movement and beyond. Jesus valued unity and prayed for it, that we may all be one so that the world may know. We believe unity is best achieved through relationships rather than beginning with disagreements over doctrine, practice, or ideology. We value the gathering, breaking bread and sharing a cup of coffee or your favorite beverage. We invite you to gather with another Christian outside your particular family of churches and tell others that unity starts with a cup of coffee. So grab a cup and let's get started with another episode of the Common Ground Unity Podcast. Welcome back to the Common Grounds Unity Podcast. I'm Kevin Witham, joined by my co-host Tina Bruner, and we're back today with Rubel Shelley uh, to continue our conversation that we started last podcast and kind of move forward in that dialogue. We're so thankful to have you with us, Rubel. Rubel, welcome back. Glad to have Honor you. Honor to be us. with you. Thank you for and after being with you once before to be invited back. That's especially an honor to me. <laughs> <laughs> and you'll be invited back again. We we could continue these conversations for for hours. You you shared such great stories and well, th- uh, thank you guys for insight. thank you guys for what you're trying to do to encourage this to be a, a passion among God's people and something that we actively and intentionally pursue. Unity is a gift of the spirit, but we have to pursue it to experience it. Well, it is great to be back for another episode with Rubel. And I do hope that in the future, we will be able to have you back again, because I feel like your perspective is so important as we think and talk about unity. And in in what you just said, I just wonder, are there are there ways that or suggestions that you have for us on how we can be more unity minded, how we can be Christians who, who are actively working toward unity. Yeah, Tina, you've just opened a vein in my arm by asking that question. Um, I've, I've made a speech in two or three places, um, made it at Lipscomb in a summer program, made it at Pepperdine. And I I worked out for those public presentations what I call some practices to consider for the sake of making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. And if I could just list those 10 right quickly, they might be of of some value to people who are listening to us. I won't say much about uh, each of them, but just a hint or two. Uh, I'd be glad to share these in print for anybody who would like to have a copy of, I made a handout of it. Some practices to consider. These are not things I could require of anybody. We, these are not um, given by revelation. These are my ideas. The first one's the most obvious. Pray for the unity of the church. If Jesus prayed for everybody who was going to believe on him through the teaching of the apostles, I should pray for that. And 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 I do. How dare we not pray for it? Number two, and this one has had a lot of relevance in my own life, repent of any tribal elitism, I call it, maybe sectarian religion. 
repent of any tribal elitism in your own history and heart. Um, each of us seeks for and probably can find some denomination or subgroup within it where we feel more comfortable. Then the tendency is to say, well, the, the one I didn't choose, the place I'm not a part of, they're somehow deficient. That's, that doesn't follow. Um, it, so I, I can be mistaken. We all have blind spots. So repent of the sort of tribal elitism that says where I am and the way we do it is the only way it can be done. God be pleased with it. Third, refuse to caricature, caricature or make fun of others. Um, I, I know the super fundamentalist that I can caricature for his legalism. I know the super liberal that I can make fun of for, for her open-endedness. Uh, we all know jokes about the Catholics and the Presbyterians and the Baptists. And by the way, they're a bunch that circulate about us. Um, it's just as wrong to do those as the stereotypical black, white, male, female, southern, northern uh, gays and straights. It, it dehumanizes people to, to reduce people to a label, to make fun of, to tell the uh, repent of it. Stop doing it. Number four. Make Jesus the center of your thoughts. Um, stop reading the Bible to, to argue your position. Read it to get the flow of the great story of redemption uh, that leads to Jesus. Number five, look for evidence of God's activity in other people. Um, one of the things that I mentioned in the earlier podcast, uh, my friend L.H. Hardwood, there are people that when you see them, he was Pentecostal. You knew God was active in this man's life. Well, why can't I affirm what I see? Uh, I, I was thinking about it, honestly, just day before yesterday, driving through beautiful middle Tennessee, seeing some big farm country. A buzzard will fly over thousands of acres of beautiful pasture or cropland and zero in on a dead corpse that's somewhere in the middle of all that. Um, I, I can be that way if I'm not careful. Uh, he, here's the beautiful landscape of God's world where humble servants of God that don't see everything the way I do are serving God to the best of their ability, doing a better job of many things than I'm doing, dealing with racism better, dealing with sexism better, dealing with evangelism better. Um, it, when you see that, affirm it. Um, we've all received grace. Pass along a little bit of it. Number six, be part of a church that exalts Jesus by a strong, healthy focus on Scripture. Uh, brand loyalty used to characterize people in buying our cars and appliances. Most of us now look for the best value at the best price. I think we're at a point that in terms of faith culture, a lot of folks are not going to stay in a Church of Christ or a Baptist church or a Catholic church because they're so fossilized and institutionalized that down the street, and maybe their children found it before they did, here's a church that there's some life, there's some activity, and it's not gimmicks. They're reading the Bible, they're praying, uh, families are being helped. Uh, affiliate with a church that has this strong exaltation of Jesus because it loves Scripture, affirms, preaches, studies Scripture. Number seven. Study what the Bible says about love and acceptance and reconciliation. There are lots of doctrines of the church in the Bible. 
baptism, Lord's Supper, evangelism of the lost, compassion for the needy. Uh, we've majored in trying to parse those doctrines carefully. Campbell's book, The Christian System, for example. But doctrinal soundness is incomplete without a commitment to loving one another, breaking down barriers that have kept us apart. And, and uh, my own history, my own life uh, uh, around race has been an important thing. I, I grew up in a racist environment, absorbed it, lived a racist culture, and worked so hard by God's grace to, to, to learn, accept, study what the Bible says about loving one another, accepting one another, being reconciled with one another. Difference is not deviance, and diversity is not an alternative word for disunity. You can be different from me. God still love you. I need to love you too. Number eight, take a few baby steps toward reconciliation and unity. Uh, just to emphasize a point we've made before. The unity of the church is not going to be achieved through some sort of institutional realignment. It's going to happen when somebody out of a Baptist background makes an overture to somebody out of a Christian church or Church of Christ, acapella, instrumental, whatever. And their kids are playing baseball together and they get to know each other. And the Baptist finds out about the Church of Christ guy or the Church of Christ guy finds out about the Pentecostal guy or the Pentecostal guy finds out about the Presbyterian guy. These people passionately love Jesus. Uh, they are trying, they're trying to honor the Lord with the way they do family, the way they spend money, their generosity to the poor. Maybe, maybe all of us need to deliberately uh, cross some of these racial, ethnic, religious, other barriers uh, to me, that's one of the values like Bible study fellowship or community Bible study groups. They, they've done more for that than most of our churches. Have. And then number nine, deep convictions are necessary to unity. You don't achieve unity by adopting a, well, I don't really care posture about a biblical idea or a biblical doctrine or worship issue. Um, we, we grant that denominations form around different interpretations, certain doctrines that we consider to be primary. Uh, well, the kingdom of God is not that one dimensional, that it's any one doctrine or one idea. Uh, there are just too many evidences in scripture that there are wide spans of difference, even among those earliest Christians where Romans 14, Paul has to say, cut each other some slack. And uh, the, the, the last thing you need to be doing is sitting in judgment on one another. Let the weak accept the strong and the strong accept the weak. Um, it's Homogeneity is pretty dull um, and diversity challenges all of us to grow. And then the 10th one, don't be bullied by somebody else's narrowness. If you do choose to seek peace and pursue it, somebody's going to criticize you for it. Somebody's going to call you a compromiser. Somebody's going to call you a liberal. Somebody's going to call you something. Um, pray for them. Um, I've had an occasional critic, um, and it has hurt, but I've learned to be grateful for my critics. They've kept me honest. They've made me pray a lot about, well, why do you say this, and why have you done that, and 
is this really something that, that Christ is moving you to do or you're just mad or you're a rebel or you're trying to show somebody I'll do what I want to do. Um, so don't be bullied by somebody's narrowness or criticism. Be prayerful. Uh, learn from it if they have something legitimate to say. But, but love and reconciliation and acceptance, they're at the heart of the gospel. God has loved and accepted us. We surely are supposed to love on the model of the way we've been loved. Those are the 10 suggestions and just sort of hints at what I mean by each of them. I tell you, Rubel, as you were talking, I wonder how many of our listeners did what the first thing was that I that came to my mind. One, I could take each one of these and really meditate on it in a way that would bring conviction and change in my heart. The second thing I thought was, I'm going to get that list and send it to somebody I know who needs that, (laughs) which is totally wrong, I confess. But (laughs) I I do think that the way that you communicate these are so central and so helpful. And I'm going to see if we can get on the uh, Facebook page for Common Grounds Unity. We'll get this list and we'll put yeah, it up. And I would... yeah. but let me make that offer. If if you do if you do links to, uh, I'd, I'd be glad to send you a, an electronic copy of this to put on your web page or link to it. And anybody who'd like to have access to it, man, use it. I mean, it's not copyrighted to me. Uh, uh, revise it. Uh, take out three. But and I would add love for us be able to have like conversation around it. So have people like give examples of the ways that they're trying to do any of these and and really make it a point of unifying us in our discussion of these. Um, That was really super helpful. And I am going to quit thinking about how others need to change and think about myself. (laughs) And I really appreciate this resource. Oh no. What a, what a drastic move that is for all of us to, to look first here. At my own heart before I'm set about <laughs> fix you. Yeah. Oh, that 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 list is worth uh, the podcast right there. That is that is good stuff. Um, can you talk a little bit? Let's go back to when you wrote the book we've been talking about. I just want to be a Christian um, because this podcast goes out to the the different streams of the Stone Campbell movement, folks in. Good. Churches of Christ, international churches of Christ, Christian churches, and you know there there are many just longing for and working toward the kind of unity just amongst ourselves that we've been describing. When you wrote this book um, forty years ago, thirty eight years ago, uh, you faced opposition and a great deal of criticism and resistance. We've talked about the receptivity to it, but there was a lot of resistance as well. Can you provide, you know, some coaching and encouragement for those who are now feeling this desire to advance Jesus's prayer for unity? And yet they know that in, you know, certain pockets and places and among certain friends, it's not a popular thing to be doing. How would you encourage them and counsel them? Uh, I would say to them what I had to say to myself and what I've said to, I don't know, uh, the number of people who've come to me when in a local church setting or in a family setting, they've they've had to face this. Um, the first thing I say is preserve your integrity. Make sure that that what it is that you've decided, what it is that you believe, that you've really thought it through, that you've listened to different points of view, not that you've you've you, 
you want to do something, and so you've gone looking for a way to justify it. Preserve your integrity before God. Study Scripture carefully. Talk with people who have other points of view. Weigh and pray. Number two, once you have determined that you are acting with integrity before Christ to honor Him, the important thing is to do not what you think um, makes somebody happy with you, but what allows you to be open-faced before God so that without shame you can say, Lord, I believe you've led me to this view, to this act, to, to seeking out this kind of relationship with this person, these, these settings. Um, act. Don't, don't simply sit back. It, it's not truth unless it becomes action. Um, it, it, it has to be more than just this is a conclusion that I unity is important, that loving my neighbor, crossing a racial barrier, that I, I know these are right things to do. It's not, it's not truth until it is activated. Don't tell me you love a God you haven't seen if you can't love your neighbor that you have seen. Uh, that's John says it, we have to live it. And then the third thing is make those two steps knowing that not everyone is going to affirm you, not everybody is going to agree with you, and react with the spirit of Christ. You, you do not gain ground by being mean-spirited, by responding the way flesh wants to respond. You know, you be nice to me, I'll be nice to you. You come after me, I'll get you. Uh, that sounds like politics, but that, that's not the kingdom of God. Um, the kingdom of God turns the other cheek and prays. Uh, for people, not in an arrogant, paternalistic way, God, let them see that I'm right, but Lord, please help this person deal with her anger. Please help this person at least believe that I'm acting in good faith uh, so that we can have, our friendship can survive. One of the saddest things that that I have experienced and, and continue to experience around first one setting or another there's just a mindset that's so brittle today, <clears throat> not talking 1984 now, talking 2022. There is a cultural mindset today that is every bit as brittle. You know, if we thought the culture was improving, if we thought maybe the civil rights movement had, had gotten blacks and whites and Latinos in better, healthier conversation. Boy, what I've seen in the last five years um, has convinced me if we'd made progress we've 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 lost the ground christians have got to stay out of the mean spirit of the politics of this time uh, the culture wars of this time and focus on the kingdom of god the kingdom of god is about seeking first his righteousness uh, and honoring him with our lives uh, it's not about being red or blue it, it, it's you know um, Churches are so polarized about politics, they hardly have time to get Jesus into the mix. Um, and I mean, I've seen that. I've, I've had to face that, deal with that. Churches don't need to be political hotbeds of discord or, or campaign rallies. Uh, our mission, our citizenship is elsewhere, and our mission must be Jesus-focused. Freebold. 
Uh, I know that you've done a lot with medical ethics and things like that. And I wonder if just as we wrap up this, using the metaphor of a doctor-patient relationship with the Stone-Campbell movement being the patient in this time and in this cultural moment, like you just were talking about, what medicine or treatments would you prescribe for a brighter future? What are your concerns? And you've just shared a few. And what ways are you hopeful? Yeah. Let's begin on that optimistic, hopeful uh, note. All of us who've lived just a few years know that, that pendulums tend to swing. And right now, our culture is so polarized that even some of the people in the polarized positions are beginning to say, wait a minute, we're, we're tearing ourselves apart. I, I, I should be able to talk to somebody who votes differently than me or somebody who is charismatic and I'm not or somebody. The, the polarization is, I hope, going to become so detestable that we are going to not swing to the opposite extreme, oh, anything goes, but come back to a, a saner view that says, wait a minute, I just can't build uh, a little turf spot for me that only three people can stand on. Uh, I, I, surely God's heart is bigger than that. My heart needs to be bigger than that. Um, I, I think that's why in 1984, uh, there were some people willing to read, I just want to be a Christian with appreciation. They were in churches that out of the 50s, 60s, and 70s were so theologically polarized. Uh, we are the only ones going to heaven, after all. If you don't worship the way I do, God cannot look with favor on you. Uh, if you don't do this, do that, the other, the way. If you That had, I use the term, gone to seed. And in 1984, I think this book was received well, a legalist trying to think his way out of legalism, that other people said, yeah, that's right. We, we, we have split too many hairs. We have ridden... Um, so far down this path, we've, we've, we're lost in the woods. We've written off so many other people that it, you know, it's just me and mama and the kids. And I'm not always sure about mama. Uh, that, 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 you know, that, that, that just can't be right. And so th there was a business of, look, maybe I need to open my heart a little bit. First, probably my mind. I, I still think the mind matters. I got to open my mind to realize Jesus did say some things about loving one another. Paul did write about reconciliation. He did, in fact, command, stop sitting in judgment on one another about these things. Um, I, I'm going to try to hear that. And uh, I, I may not go as far as somebody else goes, but my circle is not going to be so narrow. So I, I guess my optimism, optimism is a strange optimism. We've just gotten so mean-spirited in the larger culture that I think some Republicans and some Democrats and some independents, hmm, some Catholics and some Protestants and some charismatics and non-charismatics and Baptists and Presbyterians, I think we're going to say, you know, uh, we, we're just too prone to this. This is too easy. It must be of the flesh because things of the spirit challenge. This just seems to be too natural to say, if you're not like me, something's wrong with you. Maybe, maybe that's wrong headed. Hey, it is wrong headed. Um, 
God has accepted us by grace. We must learn to show a little bit of grace to one another. So that that's my strange optimism. I, I think things have gotten so bad that I'm hearing people say, wait a minute, we've we, we got to stop this. Uh, we, we can't live like this. We're, we're going to destroy everything that we think is valuable. Now, what discourages me? Frankly, I'm a little bit discouraged. Uh, no, I'm a lot discouraged that a great deal of the preaching that I hear has very little content. Um, some good stories. Um, they're, they're pretty short. The sermons are pretty short. The stories fill most of it. Uh, I sometimes, you know, get lost in the illustration and the metaphor I'm trying to use. Oh, yeah, there's a Bible verse or two that I wanted to get in here, too. Um, I, I still believe in preaching the text. I, I still believe, uh, just finished with Jason Pagel, who's, who's the lead preacher at the Harper Hills Church, three months just preaching the Gospel of John. People loved it, and we provided resources for them for their small groups. And we 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 read each week's text. We got different voices, children's voices, ninety-year-old person's voice, uh, and and we did our own internal podcasts on our website. Just hear the word of God read in the voice of people that you know and love out of this church. Wonderfully well received. Right now, uh, we we just started a series on on the parables uh, during the summer. It's going to be pretty hard to do a book. People are in and out for vacation, whatever. Parables are freestanding in a way, and yet they have the theme of the kingdom of God. So we're going to do a series on the parables here in May and June and into July. And mention this summer Wednesday thing we're going to do, having pastors and friends in from churches along our street. I mean, literally, we, 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 we want our people to know who these churches are, who these pastors are. We want them to know our church. Um, and, you know, just to break down some of those barriers and form some friendships. And they're just going to unpack sections of the Sermon on the Mount that we've identified. So we're staying in Matthew for the parables. We're staying in 5, 6, and 7 for the Sermon on the Mount. I, I still believe... <laughs> The, the way to know God is is reading his thoughts after him, and I do that in Scripture. And I'm discouraged that a, a lot of the preaching, teaching, things that are called Bible classes are about weight loss and about finances and, and rearing healthy children. Those are good things, and, and there's time and place for them. But, you know, 25 Bible classes and uh, 22 of them are on these these self-help kind of Brene Brown type books rather than John, Matthew, Sermon on the Mount, the, the Jesus. Uh, so I'm, I'm discouraged about that. And number two, I'm very discouraged for the fact that um, our kids in middle school, high school, college are being indoctrinated with the, I'm a philosopher, with relativism, my truth, your truth, his truth, their truth, that, that you, you will never find unity there. I mean, that's ultimate division. Um, truth, uh, use Tim Keller's language, time was people believed truth with a capital T was out there for us to seek and in common search and look for and find our unity as we approached it. Relativism says, oh, find your own internal truth, your authentic self. I just wrote a note to all of our graduating seniors at church saying, I know you're being told to go out there and find yourself. Please don't do that. Go out there, 
and seek the kingdom of God and pursue mm-hmm. his righteousness in your life. That's the mission for your life. Um, hey, I found myself years ago and, and he needed redemption. Uh, so thank God, you know, the, the, the search got focused on Jesus and, and that that's redemptive. So, yeah, uh, a strange optimism and, and two very clear points of uh, discouragement as, as I look at our churches and, and the culture, spiritual culture of people in this country right now. Good, good concerns, good admonition to those of us who preach a reminder that it's back to Jesus and back to the word. Um, Ruba, we can't tell you how much we appreciate your being with us. And we'd love to continue these conversations in the future. If you'll come back. Um, I'm flattered to be here. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I, years ago, it was the, the mid nineties. I was in Nashville. I uh, went to do a wedding of a dear, some dear friends went to Harding West and uh, decided I've, I've we've got to go. My wife and I, we've got to go over to the Woodmont Hills Church and hear Rubel Shelley preach. Big church. You know, I think there were probably 1,500 people there. And uh, we're out in the lobby and connected with some people there that we'd known from our college days. And and lo and behold, one of the last uh, couple of people in the lobby was uh, Rubel and his wife, Myra. And uh, you stepped over to me and my wife and asked who we were and asked how we'd come to be at Woodmont Hills that day and asked some questions about us and showed real interest. And it reminded me, here, here's a man that I'd read his books. I'd heard him lecture at Pepperdine. And there he is in congregational ministry, just showing the kind of concern in a big church environment where, man, he could have been exhausted from preaching probably several services. He still had it in his heart to come out and connect with, with people. And, and Rubel, your conversation with us just, again, speaks to not only your love for text and word and good scholarship and the unity of the church, but, but it's about people and it's about the kingdom. And we love you for that and appreciate uh, the influence Kevin, you've thank had you. in I'd, I'd much rather be remembered for loving people, um, being a pastor who cared about people than somebody who really preached a sterling sermon once or twice, maybe. I, I, I don't well, do, I'll tell you, I we, do many of those. <laughs> we left that day, and that inspired me about what ministry is about as much as the sermon I heard. Just your, you. your care. Folks, uh, we, we hope that you will take what you've been encouraged to do here in this dialogue, get together with somebody this week, start those relationships, call somebody, sit down, have a cup of coffee, and start building unity together in Christ. We're going to have John Mark Hicks with us on our next podcast and talk about his recent book, In Search of the Pattern, and some other things as well. So I hope you'll join us again. Uh, Again, Tina, good to be with you. You got anything to say to close us out? I do not. I have something to say to close you out. Be sure, if you're listening to this, hear John Mark Hicks next week. I was with John Mark last week. And he was a student of mine years ago. And I said, John Mark, you are one of several students that I've had who far surpassed their professor. I'm so proud of the work that you're doing. Uh, you'll have a great interview uh, with him because he's, he's a rich and fertile mind and heart. He's a Jesus lover. Well, we love it when we get a guest to uh, endorse and encourage people to listen to our next guest. So thank you for that, Rubel. Have a great week, everybody. Thanks for joining us today. 
Thank you for listening to the Common Grounds Unity podcast. Please check out commongroundsunity.org to learn more about who we are. You can subscribe to the essays, join our Facebook group, or find our YouTube channel. And please check out the gatherings page where you can connect with other unity-minded Christians in your area. If you can't find a gathering in your area, we can help you start one. It's not difficult or time-consuming, and we'll help you out along the way. It really does simply start with a cup of coffee. If you want to volunteer or ask questions, please email john at commongroundsunity.org. And lastly, we need your help by donating to this ministry of reconciliation. Your donation is tax-deductible. Links for donating are in the show notes or on our website. Until next time, God bless, and remember, unity starts with a cup of coffee.